What's up, rich friends? Welcome back to another episode of Net Worth and Chill with me, your host, Vivian Tu, aka your rich BFF and your favorite Wall Street girly. I hope everyone has been having a great start to their new year, and that is a perfect segue into what we will be talking about on today's episode. I don't know about you, but after the holidays, after spending a ton of money on gifts and travel, and just feeling overall mentally, emotionally, and financially drained, it can leave me wanting a financial reset in the new year. No surprise, that's why I specifically launched my book, Rich AF, on December 26th, the day after Christmas. New year, new you, new money. And that's why today we're going to be chatting with a money rehab expert. We're going to walk through what you should do if you don't know where to start and it feels like you're in a deep, deep hole with no ladder to get out. Our guest today is a New York Times bestselling author, a news anchor on CNBC, CNN, and Bloomberg, and even hosts her very own chart-topping podcast, Money Rehab. Everyone, please welcome Nicole Lappin. Yay! Thank you so much. Of course, Nicole. Seriously, thank you so much for being here with your busy, busy schedule. I'm really excited to chat with you. Um, But before we dive in, for all of the BFFs listening who don't know who you are, can we get the TLDR? If you only had 30 to 60 seconds, how would you describe to someone you just met in an elevator what you do for a living? Okay, honestly, Viv, I'm like really awkward in an elevator. And so <laughs> normally I don't <laughs> launch into the whole spiel. I, If I'm going to be honest, I really like de-emphasize what I do and I like air more toward the self-deprecating. So if I just met somebody in an elevator, I'd so like, I do media stuff for like, I really like financial literacy. And so I keep it pretty chill because I find like if you yeah. launch full on, it, it feels icky. No? Yeah. Uh, no, I agree. I like that. Okay. But say it's me in the elevator and I'm asking you to brag to me, what would you say? Okay. What are you most proud of? What are the things that you're like, yeah. I'll give you like the elevator pitch, but like in reality. Okay, okay, okay. I am a New York Times bestselling author of Rich Bitch, Boss Bitch, Becoming Superwoman, and Miss Independent. Um, I am a recovering news anchor who talked to old rich white men about money. And <laughs> now I run the podcast network, Money News Network, with the best business and finance podcasts out there, including one that I host daily called Money Rehab. Okay, that is so hardcore because we have one episode a week of Net Worth and Chill and I'm already like, whoo, wow, that's a lot. And you're doing a daily podcast. That is so, so impressive. Thanks, sister. It is no joke. Now that we know, you know, your highlight reel, let's take it way, 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 way back. When you were a little kid, what was your first money memory? Oh, damn. Okay. So like, are you ready to get real? Like, it's going to get dark. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Because like, I have a lot of dark memories about money. Okay. We're ready. We're just going to dive in. Yes, we're, we're ready. Uh-huh. So legit, my first memory around money was, I know, I'm just going to go, um, bailing my mother out of jail using cash under the sink behind the maxi pads. And I will never forget needing to wow. do that with my little sweaty hands in um, when I was just like a preteen. I had a lot of really crazy memories with money, like a lot of financial trauma that I hid from, but it was only once I could really understand what had happened to me with money uh, that I could yeah. rehab my own financial situation. And so I think like we all have financial traumas if you're BFF and listening to this and you're like, damn, okay. Like I had some financial trauma, but like not that serious. Um, I totally get it. Mine is like pretty extreme, but you know, we all have financial traumas, whether it's 
in your family, whether it's in your friend group, like if your friends spend a bunch of money um, or they hide purchases from their significant other, like you feel that. Or if it's macroeconomic, right? Mm -hmm. If you lived through the housing crisis, I saw my house get foreclosed on. So like that is really heavy around housing for me. And that's okay, just as long as you sort of recognize it and address it. Or, you know, you live through the dot-com bubble or, you know, anything like that. It's going to affect how you view money. Yeah. Uh, you actually had a perfect segue. I was going to ask, did you grow up with a lot of money? And it sounds like the answer was probably no. But what would you say, like, growing up, like your biggest concerns around money were? Was it, you know, putting food on the table or was it just, you know, keeping a roof over your head? What were the things that were unfortunately keeping young preteen Nicole up. Yeah, I didn't have um, money growing up. You know, sometimes uh, people think when they hear my highlight reel, and I and I started really young, like I started as a news anchor on network TV at 21, and they were like, yeah, your dad must have made a call. I'm like, no, my dad died of a drug overdose. Like, um, he did not make a call. And so I, you know, hid from like the real story of how I grew up around money. I was first generation American. Um, my parents are immigrants. And like a lot of immigrant families, regardless of where you're from, like they use cash, right? So nobody was talking about mortgages yeah. or debt or like bonds, you know, at the kitchen counter with the Wall Street Journal. So for me, I didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth. Like I barely had a spoon of food in my mouth growing up. And so having that broken home experience for a long time, I tried to like whitewash it and veneer it and be like, oh no, I had like yeah. a fine family. But it was only once I could speak super, super honestly about it that I was able to tell my own story and resonate with others that like have some variation of a lot of this. And I think with money stuff in particular, somebody has to go first because it's so taboo. Like yeah. nothing else is taboo. Like we will talk about sex sexy time, bikini waxes, like bowel movements <laughs> with uh, our girlfriends at dinner. We will talk about everything. And then I'm like, so what are you making this year? Or like, what's in your savings account? And like, obviously I want to help. And you would too. It's crickets. It's yeah. freaking crickets. And I'm like, yo, you just told me about like your bikini wax and this is taboo. And so I think somebody yeah. has to go first with any hard topics. And so I'm like, fuck it, let it be me. I think that is so cool and so awesome and honestly, really powerful, right? Because I'm sure there are so many people listening, feeling like they are in a hole that they cannot get out of. And to hear you have come from like a really, really challenging environment to make it as big as you did to be as financially well off as you are. Like, I think it's a testament to like, it really is for everybody. Thank you. Everybody can learn this. There's no shortage of helpful AI tools out there, but using them means switching back and forth between yet another digital tool. So instead of simplifying your workflow, it just becomes more complicated. Unless, of course, you're in Notion. A lot of you probably know my entire team loves Notion, the sponsor of today's episode. I use it every day for notes, documents, and project management, and now it has the power of AI built right inside of Notion and works across our entire workspace. And it's been a total game changer for our productivity, and we just used it the other day to manage our entire book tour. Notion combines your notes, docs, and projects into one space that's simple and beautifully designed, and you can leverage the power of AI right inside of Notion across all of your notes and docs without jumping between your work and a separate AI-powered tool. Notion is your one 
one place to connect teams, tools, and knowledge so you're empowered to do your most meaningful work. And the fully integrated Notion AI helps you work faster, write better, and think bigger doing tasks that normally take you hours in just seconds. We personally like to use Notion to save time and write faster by letting Notion AI handle the first draft, jumpstart a brainstorm, or turn our messy notes into something polished, but you can also even use it to automate tedious tasks like summarizing meeting notes or finding next steps. Notion AI does all of this and more and then frees you up to do the actual deep work. Try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash richbff. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash richbff to try the powerful, easy to use Notion AI today. And when you use our link, you're supporting our show. Notion.com slash richbff. I wouldn't say your first foray into media was even specifically finance related, but you were really, really into journalism. Can you talk to me about that? Like, how did you know that's something that you wanted to study? Um, knowing that that is a major and that is a space that very few people are at the top and those people make gazillions of dollars, but then there's a huge swath of people who don't make that much money. Was that a concern for you when you were deciding that, hey, that's what I want to do? Because you didn't have that safety net to fall back on. So not having that safety net to fall back on is really what drove me. And I hated finance. Like I did not want to be in it. Um, my boyfriend in high school <laughs> yeah. said he wanted to be a hedge fund manager. I thought he wanted to be in gardening. <laughs> this is not a joke. He dumped me because I couldn't <laughs> hang out with his Wall Street friends at the time. And like fast forward 10 years later, when <laughs> I was on CNBC, they like wanted to hang out. And so I felt very vindicated, like who's laughing last. But I was super, super, super clueless. Like I wanted to be a poetry major. And so I often say like, if I could do this, literally anyone could do this. I am the least likely person to get my own finances together, much less speak to the world about it or teach others. Um, but I felt like there was a void in it. And so when I was 18, I was looking for a job in local news. And back in the day, uh, you couldn't like skip steps. You had to go to these small local news markets. So I went to Lexington, Kentucky, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and like these CBS stations <laughs> where a lot of, uh, I went, ended up being a journalism major. And, um, you know, a lot of young women in my class went to to these stations and like married the police chief or the fire chief and like never left. Mm. And I was like, blinders <laughs> on. I am in and out. I'm getting the thing that I need and I'm not staying here. And so I stalked the station chief in Chicago. I went to Northwestern and um, wanted to work in their Milwaukee station. Woo, Chicago girlies. I love Chicago, like now in hindsight, but back then, I, you know, not having a car, living in Chicago with a car and like jumping in from the warm car to like the warm wherever is cool. But like yeah, yeah, walking yeah. miles, uh, less cool. Oh, it was not cool. Especially for a California girl. Like I didn't own socks before I went to Chicago, babe. <laughs> True story. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I stalked this station chief in uh, downtown and I was like, I think I belong in your Milwaukee station. Like I was really hardcore um, about pitching mm. myself at the time. That's maybe why I like can't do it anymore. And he said, no, <laughs> first of all, you don't understand geography, which was true. Cause I was like, I could take the train to Milwaukee. Like why not? <laughs> Dead. And he's like, look at a map. And also like, no, you don't get that job. But do you know anything about business news? And I was like, I freaking hate business news. Are you kidding me right now? Like my armpits were so sweaty at the time. Like I felt like I was breaking out into hives. <laughs> and I said, yes, absolutely. I love business news. Like all day, every day, twice on Sunday. How did you know? And I literally knew zero things because they just launched this network called First Business Network, which is a nationally syndicated morning business show that was based on the floor of the Chicago Merck, which I thought was a mall um, mm -hmm. at the time. It is not. It is the stock exchange in Chicago, FYI. 
And so I started on the floor of the Merck when I was 18. I was like one of two women there, maybe. Had no idea. All of this sounded like Chinese to me. I was like, I don't speak any language of money. Uh, I It all sounds like gibberish. I am completely confused. And I 100% faked it till I made it. And then, you know, what I realized there is that money is just a language like anything else. Like we don't have a Rosetta Stone for that language growing up. You know, I didn't learn it in my family. A lot of people might or or don't, but we don't learn it in school, which is next level bananas. Even in college, like when you pay a bunch for your brain, nobody learns basic personal finance. And so once I could speak it, I was like, okay, well, you know, like any language, if you go to Japan and you don't speak Japanese, like you'll be really confused, right? And then you speak the language and you're like, oh my God, how was I so confused about this word? It's so obvious, but it's only right. after you learn it. Right. hundred percent. And starting on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange is like no easy feat. It's very, very tough. How was that? Like your first real finance job feeling like you didn't necessarily belong and, you know, not to call it the obvious, but like you are a beautiful, conventionally attractive woman. And was it hard probably being in a room where you were one of the only women? It was so broy. It was like back in the day, Wolf <laughs> of Wall Street style for sure. Um, mm-hmm. You know, right now, if you go to the stock exchange, like if you go to the New York Stock Exchange, it is so quiet. It's not like how it used to be. Right. I sound so old right now. This legit was more than 20 years ago. And so now it's like a backdrop for CNBC or whatever. Like nothing is really happening down there. Um, But back then it was wild. It was like the movies that you see with Wall Street. It was like People were mm-hmm. screaming and they were like yelling about pork bellies. And I was like, what the hell? Like you can trade a pork belly. This is, is this a joke? Am I being punked? I had no idea what was going on. So there was like open outcry trading. Everybody in the pits was screaming and yelling. And that's how trades were being made. Uh, at the time, like there was wild, like crazy Wolf of Wall Street style parties. They would bring in women for lunches. Like it was truly super stereotypical. And I remember one time I was like standing in the middle of one of the pits doing a report on uh, a camera like on the ceiling somewhere. And some guy, I was just like in his way and he straight up like picked me up and just moved me. (laughs) I was like... Okay, thanks, sir. So it was that type of vibe. And uh, like, I remember guys, they would have like a bad day. And when I say guys, like it was truly guys. I'll never forget how small the women's bathroom was. It looked like a closet. And you know, like when you go to a theater or something, like the women's bathroom is really big usually. This was not. You could tell like how few women were there by like the size of the bathroom. Yeah. There would be guys that would be like throwing money. They'd have a good day or a bad day. And so it was really cinematic that way. Uh, And it was so scary. I used to wear legit uh, maxi pads under my armpits because I was so nervous every single day. Really? But it was the best. It was like the school of hard knocks. Like I, it was really embarrassed for a long time that I didn't get my MBA and all of this stuff. And like, I didn't study finance in school. And like, I knew more about what it was like to be poor than it was like to be rich at the time. Like I was an expert in that. Uh, But you know, I have come to just own that instead of being so scared that somebody's going to call me out, uh, you know, for it. And then just say like, hey, I didn't get my MBA or I didn't study finance, but like I went to this crazy ass school of hard knocks and that's where I learned. I absolutely love that. Um, I feel like I have the next generation version of your story where it's like you show up to work and it's like 40 dudes and you're like, "Uh, how come no one looks like me? Um, So very much can relate to that. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. 
Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry, Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. You said something really important. You said you had more experience being poor than you had being rich. And with your experience of brokenness, you created something called money rehab. Talk to me about what that is. Those two words are not ones that you would normally put together, but it is such a powerful message and such a strong name. Where did that idea come from? What is the ultimate goal? Thank you. Um, yeah, when I wrote my first book, Rich Bitch, uh, it was you know more than a decade ago, and I had just left Wall Street and um, like burned my corporate bra and tried to like write for my former self, that girl with the maxi pads under her armpits who was super scared and confused and like needed something that was in real English. Like I, I would look terms up on Investopedia, which I'm sure you know very yeah. well. And then I would like look the term, yeah. the definition up in the dictionary. I was like, I still don't understand right. this. And, and not to talk a big game, like I was valedictorian of my high school and my college. So I was not a dumb girl. Mm -hmm. Like, and I had figured out harder things in life. But this language was so tricky and so unnecessarily complicated. So when I wrote mm -hmm. Rich Bitch, it was like people were either going to love it or they were going to hate it. There was no gray area for sure. And thankfully, they did. They felt the former or the right people felt the former. And so that was a 12-step plan. And I have just replicated that 12-step plan for all my books because I think the first step to any recovery is admitting you have a problem and you can fix any problem except the ones you don't admit you have. Mm. And so I looked at this, you know, rehab concept, you know, of this step plan because when it comes to anything finance, you know, and I got into a ton of credit card debt when I first got a credit card, like I didn't have one growing up or a debit card or anything, it was all cash or check. You know, I went wild with it. And so the only way I could tackle something super overwhelming was to break it down into steps and then break those steps down into even babier steps. I love that. That is so, so smart. And I never even put the 12, I knew your books had 12 steps in each of them. And I never put that together, like the 12 step program for like, you know, recovering, you know, alcoholics or people who are in NA. Um, yeah. That's actually awesome. Thank you. Speaking of, I want to pivot to some hard hitting questions right now that I know a lot of people are thinking about, especially in the current macroeconomic climate. And so we're just going to fire these off and you are going to give me your POV. Okay. So if you are someone who is worried about the economy right now, what are a couple things that you would do to prepare yourself regardless of how things go? Yeah, I have been talking about this for years to have an emergency fund. Mm -hmm. And especially young people are like, there's yeah. no emergency. What do you mean? Like a pandemic or something? That's never going to happen. And so now I think we've all you know, become more down with this idea of having an emergency fund. So I would squirrel away, you know, three to six months of savings in the bank. Ideally, I have used an emergency fund before, mm -hmm. even as quickly as I made one. Um, and I, 
used it like with a brown rice and beans budget. So like not a full on what you're going to normally spend for a few months, um, but like basic stuff. And so, yeah, I used to eat brown rice and beans because it felt fancier than ramen. Um, But that type of, you know, idea. And so getting that emergency fund together, I think right now is if anyone's really scared about what's going on, it's really what helps me, um, you know, it helps me when I freak out about finances because I still do. Like I have an irrational fear of being broke alone and homeless and dying in the gutter. Like it doesn't matter what is in my bank account. I still have like those greatest hits of like this mean girl inside my head all the time that I have to tell to take several seats and having, you know, my own back financially is what like gets her to sit down. Isn't that so crazy that even when you are in a completely different story, a completely different movie, you still remember the highlights of your former life and how you grew up and like how that might still impact your decision-making today, even though that's not even your story anymore. And you live a very different life. Totally. Cause like it takes, you know, you've had a lifetime of bad habits or I have, yeah. and it takes a lifetime of good habits to counteract all that. Like it's disingenuous for me to be like, no, I'm fixed, I'm safe, like Shangri-La, like here I am. <laughs> In the promised land. Like, it's definitely not. It's, you know, it's progress around finances is like a rope swing. It's not like a ladder. It's like rock climbing. Mm -hmm. It's like up and down and and everywhere. And I, you know, I still truly have financial fears, like irrational. I know better. I tell people differently Mm -hmm. um, and I try to take my own advice, but sometimes I I can't. And sometimes like that trauma is, is stronger than what I know rationally. I love the honesty. Uh, you mentioned you were on a brown rice and beans diet, and there is a, we'll call him a financial guru who oh loves God. to tout the rice and beans. Yes, I know you're saying, oh God, because we all have very similar feelings around some of those teachings. I'd love to get your perspective on, as someone who has done the rice and beans thing, what are your thoughts about those headlines of you know, millennials can't buy homes because they love avocado toast. You guys drink too many Starbucks lattes, yada, yada. What are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I saw this early on. Um, like when I was at CNBC, the only person that was talking about finance was Dave Ramsey, who I bet you're talking about, David Bach, <laughs> like Susie Orman. And they're great. They were great for like one set of folks. Um, But, you know, a big reason why I ended up going out on my own and trying to forge this path was because I wanted to rip my hair out when like Susie Orman, and again, I bow down to Susie, like she is paved Mm -hmm. this way. And she's awesome. But like, not for me. And that's okay. Like, you don't have to be all things to all people. um, And you shouldn't, especially when you're creating a brand or like any sort of media. And the thing that pissed me off the most was like, don't buy a latte. I was like, this is crap. Like, what do you mean? don't buy a latte. Like I figured this financial thing out the hard way and it had nothing to do with a latte. And by the way, like I'm literally drinking a latte right now. <laughs> this is my second one of the day because and that looks like a big one. It's a, it's a, it's a big one. It's a, it's a second. That's like a trap. I have problems. Yeah. First, <laughs> first step to, to latte recovery is admitting I have a problem and I do. And you know, it was, it was that same idea. So like in, if you don't like coffee, it's not, the point is not coffee. It was like, yes, insert avocado toast or these small indulgences. But I, what I really, is that financial budgeting, I call it a a spending plan instead of like a budget because I like, 
you know, euphemisms and, and words really matter when you're talking about this. So I think of it as like an eating plan instead of a crash diet. Mm. If you create a mm-hmm. sustainable eating plan, and I've been on all the crazy crash diets, like the grapefruit and the master cleanse and all that <laughs> stuff, and you are starving. And like, I end up in the middle of the night noshing on a big old hunk of chocolate cake because I'm so hungry and so deprived during those moments. And what ends up happening is when people go on crash diets for finances, they end up binging in the same exact way. So people will be like, yo, I'm so proud of myself. You know, I came up with this really, you know, strict budget in the new year, like new year, new you just around, you know, like your book tells you, right? Rich AF told me to like, yep. to get it together. But the interpretation of doing it, like everything cutting out cold turkey just doesn't work. So then come, you know, June or something, they'll be like, I bought a Gucci purse to reward myself because I was so proud of myself for not you know, buying a latte. I'm like, listen, if you would have just bought your latte, like give yourself small indulgences so you don't end up binging later on. And so like in in eating, it would be the equivalent of this sustainable eating plan where you give yourself a Hershey's kiss instead of noshing on the big old hunk of chocolate Mm. cake because you're so hungry. So like give yourself a financial Hershey's kiss, whatever that is, allow for small indulgences. Otherwise you're going to binge. 100%. That's what I've never heard the the Hershey's kiss metaphor. I love it though. I'm stealing that. Please do. (laughs) Um, These days, uh, we've seen a lot in the news cycle that a lot of people are getting laid off. What is the first thing you would do if you know, you worked a corporate job and were laid off tomorrow. So I think it it goes back to the same thing um, of having that emergency plan. And Mm -hmm. I argue with a bunch of uh, entrepreneurial type experts like Gary. I've argued with him for Gary V. I've argued with him who says like, go out and burn your corporate bra and like YOLO, FOMO, whatever, yo, go start that alpaca (laughs) farm you've always dreamed of. If not now, when? Or that artisanal cheese shop in Brooklyn you've always been dreaming about. Just go do it. And it's like, no, there are not sexy things that you need to think about before doing something like that, like getting your finances Mm -hmm. together. When I did it, I did it completely brazenly. I talk about this in my second book, but like getting, getting a budget in order, feeding your family. These are like not cool, you know, (laughs) Gary Vee type things, right? But they're so necessary to be able to have that foundation to do other things. And so like, I, you know, I didn't have the luxury of doing what I wanted. I wanted to be a poetry major. Like I wanted to sit under a tree and write poetry all day long. And that is like a trust fund kid job. And I did not have one of those. And so what I ended up doing was finding my dream job with a job that I hated. Like I hated finance when I started. I hated talking to these guys about money. I didn't understand any of it. But what I did is like figured out what I wanted to do and the opportunities that I had and found the shaded part of that Venn diagram. And um, like we learn a lot of crap growing up that we'll never use the Pythagorean theorem and all that Venn diagrams. Right. I, I think we we should use and, and I love them. Um, and so that shaded part was like what I'm doing now. And so I became a writer, just not the kind I wanted to be or the kind I expected. Hmm. Would you, ch- uh, you know, we'll get that into the final fun fun fact round, okay. but I want to ask a few more questions. I was just so derailed because like, I think it's so great that the way that you're explaining this, you mentioned that you had a lot of credit card debt. Talk to me 
if I'm someone who has a mountain of debt and I really, really want to pay it down, what do you recommend? So there are two methods, as you know, um, and we can go over them really quickly for anyone who might have forgotten. Um, there's the avalanche method and the snowball method. So the snowball yeah. method is like take your smallest debts, pay those off first, and then you'll get momentum and then you'll pay off the bigger bills. The avalanche method, which is what I did, and I didn't even understand that there were different interest rates for my different kinds of debt, is where you pay off the highest interest rate first because that's going to accrue mm. the fastest. Like I think that is the most obvious way to do it. Um but like if somebody needs sort of training wheels then then try the other method because it's better than nothing. But like I said, "Oh my god, if this debt, my credit card debt, which is always going to be your credit card debt is going to be the highest, is going to be out of control, like I want to tackle that first even if it's little amounts yeah. toward that." So that's what I did mm. and I had $5,000 of credit card debt when I first started at CNN too. Like I went wild with the credit card. What did you buy on that credit card? Clothes, mostly. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just like wanted yeah. to be, you know, I wanted to like- You just wanted to look nice. I, just I don't hate you for that. Nice. That's it. I didn't have yeah. clothes. And so like, I remember I used to wear, wear the same Ann Taylor jacket with those maxi pants under the armpit. Cause like, you know, when I was first starting out, there weren't cute blazers or like suit set. <laughs> and so I didn't have, and so once I could finally have credit, I totally went wild. I bought like all the BB yeah. suits. <laughs> do you remember BB? Dad, BB, yes, I do. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I wanted to jet going to BB all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and you know, it was super overwhelming because at the time I was also putting money under my sink in cash, literal cash in a safe because that's just how I grew up. So I was getting... I the was cash going, behind the maxi pad. Totally. I was like, okay, you know, I didn't break the cycle yet. And I had to get to a place where I was yeah. like, okay, just because it's been done a certain way doesn't mean that's going to be my story or the way it needs to be done. And it took me a long time to get there. And so that was a combination of like new Nicole and old Nicole. And so I would take yeah. money from my salary out in the ATM, like in cash, put it under my sink and then okay. like accrue credit card debt. Like it was the dumbest situation. And so once I finally oh. was like, I'm going to get it together. Um, I was so overwhelmed by that $5,000 number at the time that I just broke it down. And that this is like what I talk about with steps. You know, how do you boil the ocean? Like, how do you eat an elephant? Right. Like one, one bite at a time. And so I broke it down into $7 a day. I broke it down by the day, like not even by the month because I was like, <laughs> okay, well, you know what? Like $7 a day. I I could do $7 a day, but I couldn't, I, I couldn't yeah. wrap my head around the bigger numbers. And so it took me two years to pay it off, but I did it. Um, that's how I did it. I love that. So yeah, I came up with this plan to, you know, I love alliteration. I still use a lot of random like poetry literature things. Um, prioritize to pulverize was like my version of the, like what you know as the avalanche method. So prioritizing like highest interest oh. rate first. So you'd normally be like, write your credit cards first. Uh, then like if you have a car note or car loan, mortgage, student loans at the bottom. They can, like, here, here's how I th thought about it too. You know, creditors, because I had them and I was so scared of them. They could take away your house. They could take away your car. They can't take away your brain. So that's why I also put it at the end. Nice. I love it. And before we get into our final segment, I do want to say a quick thank you to our friends. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. So I want to ask, what are some things you want to keep the same about yourself or your life in 2024? Where are you already crushing it? 
think opposite of new year, new you. Around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right. And maybe you finally organized one part of your space and you want to tackle another. Or maybe you're taking your supplements every morning and now you want to actually eat breakfast too. Therapy helps you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. For me, it's been super helpful to learn about positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers me to be the best version of myself. And it isn't just for those of us who've actually experienced major trauma, but it can also just give you a lot of life skills that we don't learn in school. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash richbff today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash richbff. What would you recommend for listeners who are living paycheck to paycheck and want to get out of that cycle? They're finding it really, really hard to save or pay down debt or invest, and they want to be doing all of these things, but they just can't seem to get out of the cycle. What's your, what's your tip? It's, it sucks. It's, uh, it's yeah. a hard cycle and I, and I know exactly what it's like. Um, I would say, you know, come up with whatever your balance sheet is. And I, I know that sounds like a corporate term, but everybody has a balance sheet. And oftentimes like we forget, um, what we have already like on automatic, you know, apps and stuff. And so like the stuff that you're bringing in and the stuff that's going out, those numbers have to match. And when they don't, like you're forgetting right. something. And so I think just seeing it for what it is, like, you know, f- for me, I buried my head in the sand. I didn't open my credit, um, statements when I got them for a really long time. Cause I was scared of what they would show and it was only hurting me. And so it's the same idea as like, if you're not going to if you're going to lie about what's on the scale or not step on the scale when you want to lose weight, like you're only hurting yourself. And so that's the first step, I think, is just like laying it all out and seeing it for what it is. And again, it goes back to this idea of money rehab, like the only problem you can't fix. Uh, and I have a lot of problems, like, and I still have financial <laughs> problems. It's the one you don't admit you have. And so like, That is the first step, I think, to any recovery, especially a financial one. So like laying it out, seeing it for what it is, knowing exactly what you're dealing with, and then like setting up better direct deposits. So, you know, maybe instead of the apps, you're doing a little bit into like a high yield savings account, or if you're going to start dabbling in the market, the the few uh, misconceptions and stories people tell themselves about why they can't invest are like, I don't have enough money to start. I don't have enough time or I don't know math. And it's like, yo, Mm -hmm. you are never as young as you are today, period, the end. Like start today. And you don't need a lot of money to make a lot of money. You need a lot of time. So that's like why you also start today. And math, like, hello, I was a poetry major. (laughs) So like the math to, to get your financial life together or to invest, like a fifth grader can do. It's the humanities part. It's that mean girl or mean guy that gets in the way. Love it. And very last, you have some award-winning books, Rich Bitch, Miss Independent, but what other books would you recommend to those who are listening, who want to get their finances in shape aside from your own? Rich AF. Okay, yes. Wherever you get your book. You guys, I did not pay her to say that, but that was an excellent plug. Thank you, Nicole. We will be sending a gift. Um (laughs) Of course, it's hard to write a book. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. That is so, so kind of you. Um, But yeah, are there any others that you really, really like that you've personally read that you enjoy? You know, I, uh, yes, I've read all of them. Um, There's a lot that I don't enjoy, but currently (laughs) that's for like, (laughs) 
that's for like uh, the after dark version of this show. But um, <laughs> I like right now, I traditionally just on my nightstand are not finance books. They're like John Green novels and Ooh, like, okay, like totally other types of, of, you know, books, poetry and all sorts of stuff. What's the last book that you've really enjoyed reading? It doesn't have to be finance or even nonfiction. Um, I have reread The Glass Castle a bunch of times. I really like that memoir. I will have a memoir coming out at some point in my life. It's not going to be anytime soon, but, but I, I really like like reading stories and being able to sort of shut this off because I do this, you know, basically 25 hours a day. And so, yeah, I, I, I think like it's important to have a little bit like of a reprieve or a break from it. Mm -hmm. Love that. Moving in to the final segment of our show, Nicole is going to answer the lightning round of fun questions. Um, These are very lighthearted. You don't have to belabor these or like think about them too hard. But I would like to know, what is the worst purchase you have ever made? Oh my God, so many. But like recently, um, I can just think of my Amazon purchases. Like I bought this can opener because like I live by myself and it's hard for me to open jars. (laughs) It it looked really cool, but it doesn't work. (laughs) Wait, what do you mean? Just like a jar opener, like a contraption to open jars. I was like, this is Is it the squeezy thing? The squeezy thing, but then there's like a different one with like this sort of, it looked like the high-tech version, but I just need the squeezy one. I need the like, flower plastic thing if you know if you know you know the if you know you know yeah 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 yeah. you know what the real ultimate asian mom hack though is just keep a so you know how like when you go to the grocery store and there's like a sprout of broccoli and there's like a rubber band around it just use that rubber band for what where do you put it like you put it around the lid of the can and then you, you twist with the rubber band and that jar of Prego comes right on open. That is genius. I didn't even yeah. think of that because you just need the grit part. And I have hyperhidrosis yes. in my hands sweat. Okay. <laughs> That's a great hack. Also, like if you stab, if like you stab the middle and the, the air comes out. Anyway. The pop thing pops. Yeah. These are okay. like important love- life hacks. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. What about the best thing that you've recently purchased that was totally worth the money? The same, like it was the same order. It was those little um, eye walks where like I oh, I never charge my phone and it always dies um, like when I yeah. need it. And so it's just like a little portable charger that was a, like a cute one where I actually bring it. It looks, it's like the size of a lipstick. It's just called eye walk. Oh, yeah. Okay. I am going to go order one because my portable charger looks like a brick. Yeah. yeah. And I don't ever bring, bring it anywhere because it's heavy. Well, this was yeah. for when I went to the Taylor concert. So I needed to like oh, make sure yeah, that yeah, yeah, I yeah. had. Um, and I got like a fake Chanel, like a clear purse to bring into the stadium, yeah. which was which was cute. Because you need a clear purse to oh, go into any of the stadiums. Yeah, yeah. So like yeah, if you're going to do it, make, so it like, smart. make it faux Chanel. Yeah, I love that. Um, that's actually so smart. I should get one of those. Yes. I'll send you the link. <laughs> send me the Amazon affiliate code. <laughs> Throughout your entire life, what would you say the biggest money mistake you made was and what do you hope the BFFs don't do to repeat that mistake? Yeah, we have um, some swag that says like, I'm glad I didn't invest earlier, said no one ever. Like no one has Mm -hmm. ever regretted investing early. And I wish I could like go back to my 
you know, 20 year old self and just shake her. Um, and you know, the power yeah. of compound interest. Like I right. knew it. And a lot of us know like how it's used against us in the financial system with debt. Um, but when it's, when it's in your favor, when you can use that very same force and, and put it to make your money work for you. Cause you work so hard for your money. I think it should return the favor. It's amazing. And like, if you just start when you're 25 and you put a hundred bucks, like I'm not even talking about a lot of money. If I would have gone back and told my my 25 year old self, put a hundred bucks in every month, you know, by the time I was 65, I'd have a million bucks because of this like beautiful, yeah. wonderful, gorgeous force of compound interest. If I started, uh, you know, 10 years later, which would be 12,000 bucks, like a hundred bucks a year for 10 years. And then at 65, I'd have 300 grand, which is still good money, but it's not a million bucks. And so that's like the yeah. time factor that I wish I could just like, wow, yeah. I wish I did, but I didn't. It's okay. Start today. Yeah. Never as young as you are today. That's right. Best day to invest was yesterday. Second best day is today. I love that. I think I already know the answer to this one, but what is a non-negotiable purchase in your life? <laughs> you do. It's this. It's the bench. I'm so happy to like, it's pumpkin spice time when we're recording this. Oh my God. It just feels like a warm hug. And I just want like as much warm hugs as I can. I can get as many. You Do you like the pumpkin spice flavoring? I feel like sometimes depending on the Starbucks, it can be a little too strong. Like okay, so there's no quality control over no, the there number is. of PSLs that I've gotten. No, there is quality control. I'll tell you. So here's what I do. So it's too much when it's in a latte. So I get an Americano and I do two pumps of oh, pumpkin okay. sauce, not four, because okay. normally it comes with four. So you just scoot it down. Four. Yeah, yeah. So then like the Americano is like more coffee, a little bit of like soy milk or whatever. I still do soy milk. And even though it was, it's been canceled, I still like it. And then just two <laughs> pumps. And it's like the perfect amount of sweetness. So yeah, you can, mm. you can turn down that pumpkin spice. Turn down the sweet. Okay. Okay. I like that. I'm not sponsored by Starbucks or anything. (laughs) They can, by the way, like call me. She's she's so game, you guys. (laughs) This is always a really fun one. You have an amazing life. You have multiple amazing businesses. How much money would you need to walk away from all of it? It's a beautiful question and I'm so glad you ask. And I will like quote mean girls for this one. The limit does not exist. It's just, it doesn't. Wow. There is, there is no, there is no number. Like it's not why I get up in the morning. Okay. Just tee me right up for the next one. Now that financials aren't the biggest determinant in your decision making, what does get you up in the money? This is your next question in the morning. Okay, yes. this, we're like Literally. seriously vibing. Yeah, so so what does get me up in we're the flirting. morning? We're flirting. Uh, totally. I, I, you know, I am super passionate about this idea of teaching financial literacy. I think it's why I was put on this planet. Like, I loved listening to your, your episode about how you met your husband. Um, because like, <laughs> I've been single. Like, I'm not married. I don't have kids. I'm 39. And I'm like, like what the fuck? And and then I remember, like maybe I was put on this planet to help women. And the the notes that I get truly is what keeps me going. Um, yeah. you know, it's like the women who've left abusive relationships because they yeah. could now figure out how to get their finances together, or like toxic other situations because uh, they could get their finances together. And when they like send me notes that I've changed their life, I always I try to write back as much as I can. And I'm like, no, I didn't change your life. Like you changed your life. I was just like the mom on the side of the stage, like in Mean Girls, like with the camcorder, like with the camera. 
I love that. I love that so much. I feel like this conversation has made me very much realize that we are soul sisters and have similar outlooks on life and money and everything. And I love that. And I can't wait to hang out with you even more next time I'm in town. But I want to thank you again for being here. Nicole, please tell everyone where we can find you. Uh, You can download Money Rehab wherever you get your favorite podcasts um, or any of our other Money News Network shows, our MNN shows like Help Wanted or Money Assistant or Money Maker or Trade Like Einstein or all of our awesome shows wherever you get your favorite pods like this one. Amazing. And tell us where we can find you on social. At Nicole Lappin. Everywhere except for freaking TikTok, which is, has a dot in between. <laughs> I tried to get it without. So like Nicole Lappin, whoever has that, please call me and I will pay you. <laughs> so thank you. Don't get me started. My Instagram handle has the dot because the girl wouldn't sell it to me. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. We can like, I'll go after her too. Ma'am. <laughs> like, Ma'am, I will pay you in pumpkin spice Americanos. Please hook a sister up. Oh, that sucks. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, Well, thank you so much again for being here. I know all of the besties are going to be so, so empowered and feel awesome after listening to this episode. Thanks, Vivian. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Net Worth and Chill. If you like this episode, make sure to leave a rating and a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Got a financial question you want answered in the future? You can leave me a voicemail or text me at 908-858-3410. Make sure to follow me at Your Rich BFF across social media for even more relatable financial content. Special thanks to my team at Audioboom as well as Range Media and WME. See you next week. Bye!